Welcome to Paranormal Coffee Hour. We're your hosts, Jen. And Courtney. And we're pouring you a strong cup of the weird, the wonderful, and the woohoo. On this episode of Paranormal Coffee Hour, we're talking about portals. We also have a guest with us today, Mr. Jackson Mankowski. Hello, Jackson. Hello. Thanks for having me. Jackson is an aficionado of the paranormal and a former student of mine. Lucky him, huh? I'm happy to be called that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So as we talk about portals today, we're going to talk first about what exactly is a portal. So guys, what do you think a portal is? A hole. Well, in the paranormal, it can be a hole that lets things in or out. (laughs) I think for me, it would be an environment and a feeling inside. Oh, you know, Like if you, let's say you cross, you're driving right down a country road theoretically you know and then you take an off road and you're going down that off road and it's like everything starts to feel the environment looks a little different but it's all in kind of an internal feeling at least for me yeah you kind of feel like you're transported either in time to a past time of someone else experiencing that same environment and you're kind of tapping into that mm. um or it could just be a residual energy that the place holds that you're tapping into or I don't know. It could be a sacred space. Bro just got freaky. That's yeah. an interesting way to think about it. <laughs> Bro just got freaky. <laughs> well, a portal is considered a doorway or a gateway from one place to another. So that does work. It's often a location where energy or matter or people and spirits can transfer between one side and another. Crack in the veil. A place with a large funnel of energy. Not cake. <laughs> <laughs> I do like funnel cake. I could see Courtney's face. Um, And we often have portals opening and closing in the universe consistently, like constantly. Mm -hmm. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. So we have two different types of portal activity. One is known as a vortex, and then the other is just simply a portal. The difference between them is a portal is an opening or a gateway or bridge to another dimension. A vortex is a spiral pull of energy that sometimes becomes attached to a location or has been created by geomagnetic forces. So a vortex is a massive energy that moves in a whirling motion, causing a depression or vacuum at the center, which we talked about in Paranormal Coffee Hour Live, how I suck you in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sucked in. Put the rope around you. Yes. The powerful eddies of pure earth power manifest as a spiral-like entity of energy that are either electric, magnetic, or electromagnetic qualities. Vortexes tend to exist where there are strong concentrations of gravitational anomalies. This is so much so that an area with a vortex can bend light and it could cause considerable distortion in the flow of your human energy. So kind of like Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, for those of you who've watched Skinwalker Ranch... It's exactly what it's like. So they might not have a portal there. They might have a vortex there. We should probably call them. They keep talking about portals. Be like, (laughs) hey, no, bro, it's a vortex. Yeah. Vortexes and portals together are categorized according to the direction and the nature of the flow of energy. So there's positive portals slash vortexes. These are ones in which the energy flows in an upward and out of the earth motion. Um, These vortexes are revitalizing and they feel very positive and healing. Energy feels a little bit electric and it can sometimes make one jittery. These positive areas assist in the development of spiritual skills. They can help stretch and expand consciousness and connect us with earthly energies and even help keep us grounded and centered. On the flip side, though, we have negative 
portals or vortices. This is where the energy flows inward or downward towards the earth. So is this what like would suck you in? Mm -hmm. This energy would feel heavier and is most of the time more negative, especially if you are not prepared for that downward impact. (laughs) Buckle up, bitches! (laughs) The emotion of fear and anxiety is typically felt at these locations. With the negativity becoming more and more frequently reported, this type of a a vortex, more so than they have been in in history, actually. So can they grow then? I wonder if like the more you feed them the negativity. Yes. Hmm. If you encounter a negative vortices, you may feel as though you are in the middle of an influx of negative emotions. You could experience anger, hatred, jealousy, fear, and even depression and sadness that just seem to come out of nowhere. Or feel like you're being watched or anything and... I have a tendency to believe that the vortex that we have not far from us is probably leaning more towards the negative side. Yes. So let's talk about portals for a second. In technical terms, a portal or spirit portal is a space containing, this is fun, bear with me here, a fourth dimensional vibratory frequency within a three dimensional physical realm. Meaning our 3D world, there's this fourth element coming in and that's... Which actually, if you talk to scientists, that fourth element's time. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what's opening or causing these spiritual portals. What happens is the fourth dimensional plane merges into our third dimensional plane through the aid of what is called an energy vortex. In other words, a spirit portal is a doorway into the physical realm that allows access to the spirit world of the higher and interdimensionalities. Portals are not always required, though, for other dimensions to interact with ours, but it makes it easier. You can also have a portal be temporary, and then it can exist for one or two nights, or it can last for years. It just depends on the circumstances. And so when time gets all weird in there, it can feel when you're in a portal or in an environment where the energy and the gravitational pull is just, it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um you can feel like it's you've lost track of time and you've been in there for a lot longer yes. than you actually have. Because and, of that mm, that fourth dimension being yep. kind of the wonky point of it. Time is linear. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that. We were just talking about that. Yeah. I went to the Redwoods. I was there for a while. And while I was there, I found this spot that I could hike to in the Redwoods. And it was this big open area with all these Redwood trees coming out of it. And there was endless moss all over the ground. And there were fallen trees with moss on the fallen tree. And like, I felt like I was being watched. And I remember the trail to go down there, um, there was a, a fallen tree over the trail. And I knew that once I crossed over that tree, um, there was an instant shift in how everything felt and the energy of where I was entering in this space. And I just, I felt really pulled to keep going and I was alone Mm -hmm. and I hadn't seen it before, but I just like felt pulled to keep going in. And then right in front of me was this uh, pile of blue bluebird feathers that was on the ground in front of me and they were beautiful i've never seen feathers like uh, that perfect in a, in a circle like that on the ground in the middle of the trail not disturbed and there were no other people there and i was like hmm and so i picked up a feather because i thought it was beautiful i immediately regretted that because <laughs> <laughs> i kept walking to the big open area and it felt like 
something was watching me like there was security on me or something from the trees like right daryl beings like it felt like (laughs) they were watching me i didn't know what it was what kind of energy and i even thought maybe i'm sensing a deer looking at me in the distance or some animal and there were no like it was like the animals like disappeared when i thought that they were all watching me Mm-hmm. And it felt like things were hiding behind trees or up in the trees and they were making all these noises in the trees. These beings, <laughs> I felt. It was strange. And I never have experienced that before. And it was like, ah, I just felt this paranoia. And so I got rid of the feather. And also I picked up a stick that I liked and I because like, I thought I could make it a walking stick uh-huh. when I brought it back to where we were staying or whatever. And I had to put the stick and the feather back before I left because I felt like the place was telling me, you can't take things from here. It's a sacred space. Like It's been here so much longer than you. Who are you to just come in and take this stuff? So that's how it kind of felt. Did time sort of evaporate in that space? Yes. And that's what I was kind of getting to. Like time went a lot slower. And yeah, I I can't explain that feeling, but it just everything. And it it kind of feels like um, everything you can hear too is almost muted in a way. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like there's uh, soundproof in the distance. It's kind of like a bubble. It's so strange. It is like a bubble. It's like Mm -hmm. a dome of energy in this sacred area or whatever's going on there. But it must be something with the the electromagnetic fields or the gravitational pull or... Or you're in another dimension. Or that, yeah. It's kind of like Stranger Things. You're in the different time. But another thing is that it was very sunny in this indented area that I was in the mountains and the redwoods. And it was sunny in that spot. There was sun (laughs) shining down and it was beautiful. And then when I left, it was more gray outside and it wasn't as sunny. And I was like, did that just shift that fast when I left (laughs) as opposed to like 10 minutes ago when I was in there? And I was there for so long, it felt like, and I really wasn't there for that long. Wow. Anyways, that's my little story. (laughs) (laughs) Good story. So most people, unless psychic or medium or Jackson, cannot see them with the naked eye. That is the portals. But we can measure their effects with scientific tools. A lot of EMF detectors um, can help kind of cue in that there's a portal. We can also sense the effects of portals by their energy vibrations, the direction of flow and the subsequent entities that use them so there is a belief you know that bigfoot is coming in and out of those portals yep it's Port- like whack-a-mole <laughs> Back <in there. laughs> portals can go dormant and later become activated due to a variety of reasons including even birth deaths large events you name it can either activate or deactivate a portal or new people in those environments new properties yeah. built on those environments yep yeah. But what is not a portal is objects like pendulums, Ouija boards, electronic devices, spirit boxes. These are all technically not portals on their own. However, being that these are communication tools used to connect with a spirit, it is possible that you can open a portal or create a portal from using these items. Kind of reminds me of the Agagore. Yeah, the idea of enough thought energy is put into something that it literally creates that activity. Right. If enough people are thinking about it all at once, it causes it to happen. Yep. Yeah. Spirits that are attached to furniture, objects, and buildings. These are not portals, as in the objects or furniture buildings, but they are known as attachments or contact agents. So, you know, you can have a, a single spirit or a small amount of spirits attached to an object that doesn't necessarily make it a portal. However, <laughs> however, it is possible for items to become portals depending on the energy that goes into them. 
I feel like that's a, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and especially if they're mirrors. Yeah, let's talk about mirrors. Yeah. Oh, Great. Oh, we open that door. Love mirrors. Well, let's just talk about the types of portals and basically how they're formed. So there is some of the most common human-made portals or entry points are mirrors, doorways, stairs, and windows. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, then, I'm just going to stay outside forever. Mm-hmm. By the vortices. <laughs> okay. Well, then. I don't know what I want to do. everywhere. <laughs> Help me. This, that's reminding me of the... I can't remember the name of the house and the person who built it, but you know what I'm talking about. She the Winchester like, house? Is it the... Whatever, where, where they... Yes. Purposely built... built stairways to stairways nowhere. Stairways to nowhere to yep. trick the yep. entities or the beings or the that's spirits. the Winchester house. Right? Yep. And to kind of trip them up. Mm-hmm. Because... That's is that that's in one. san jose california i, I believe yes. so and there aren't there mirrors too yeah and like lots of them and yeah and, and then there'll be a staircase to nowhere yep yep and there's rooms to nowhere yeah staircase with a door that opens to like a drop off yep. or something and well and what's yeah. interesting about some of these man-made portals is windows i never really even considered windows as a portal but they are supposedly places where energy is magnified I guess makes sense with the glass that's used in them. It makes sense that they'd be able to flow through Mm -hmm. easier if there's more windows in a room or energies in general would be able to flow through easier. And if there's mirrors and windows, it just seems like, man, fuck, you know, (laughs) mirrors are the ones that get me, though. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. done enough investigations and house cleansings. I I had the one in not far from here, where the woman had mirrors facing mirrors. And this poor older woman was 80. And she's wondering why she's got all this paranormal activity going on that she's seeing and smelling and wow. hearing. She could smell it too. Yep. And I said, you know, we're going to have to cover up at least a mirror. We're going to have to move a mirror. And oh, she didn't want to move her mirrors. Well, mirrors, especially when they're facing each other, create absolute portal effect. And Oh, that was a tough case. That was a case that I couldn't get her to change her mind. So I think she's probably still dealing with that. She wouldn't change her mind about anything, though. No. Mm-hmm. Jackson, I know you've had instances with mirrors mm-hmm. in your experiences. Yeah. At different Airbnbs I've been, I, I've stayed at because people put in antique mirrors on dressers and from that they just found and they're like, this is beautiful or it's from an old house or something and they move it into a new property. And sometimes you're in an Airbnb where it's like, oh, this place could never be haunted or anything and because it's brand new or like you're at a mansion Airbnb <laughs> or something. You're like, this place is brand new. How could it be haunted? It's just built a couple of years ago. Well, it's like how many antique dressers and mirrors and or anything antique do you have in the house have that they could never have seen residual? Poltergeist? Yeah, <laughs> damn yeah, come cool, on, right? <laughs> um, but at two different Airbnbs in my bedroom, I was having lots of nightmares, and I was feeling like I was being watched. And there were like at both times at these separate Airbnbs, it was the dresser with the mirror on top, and they're old, right? Yeah. Um, like if you move them around, they'll snap off the wood or something. Uh-huh. It's like they're old, and um. Anyways, I was having these nightmares and I just thought, man, these mirrors are so creepy. I can't even make eye contact with them for Mm -hmm. too long, you know? So Mm -hmm. I talked to my mom about it because we were staying at these Airbnbs at the time and we were like, let's just toss some uh, blankets over them and cover them up. Like, don't have to tell anybody and be ashamed or weirded out about it. (laughs) You know, no, it's like, fine. It's just for me. (laughs) We we won't tell anybody you did that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, I didn't know. I was just open-minded about it. And um, 
I tried it out and I stopped having the nightmares and I stopped feeling like I was being watched and I just stopped feeling the presence of something else in the room with me. And um, it happened both times at these separate Airbnbs. And it right away, like in the middle of the night too, the dresser by itself, I would hear like uh, creaking on it and like someone was pressing down on it or <sighs> the floorboards around it would creak more and snap more randomly. Like it, it would just adjust, you know, with temperature fluctuations and all that stuff. But it would happen all the time if it was uncovered with this mirror and it would happen in the middle of the night and it would even wake me up. It was so loud and Ugh. I'd stare at it and I would be like, I'm listening to it make noises right in front of me and nothing is touching it. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. So yeah, I put the blanket over it and everything stopped and I felt like I could sleep better and I didn't feel like there was a, another presence in the room and it's insane. In the Victorian age, that's when somebody would die, they'd cover the mirror so the soul would not get caught in the house. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. The Mayans had a very firm belief in mirrors being a source of connecting them with their gods. Mm. And so the Mayans actually used mirrors first for scrying before they ever used them for like vanity reasons of looking at themselves. Right. And they were sacred tools. Oftentimes, Mayan mirrors were made out of obsidian. Oh. Mm -hmm. So you have basically black mirror scrying going on. Wow. And, and pulling in spirits. You had to be pretty damn wealthy yeah. in Mayan times to have anything that resembled a mirror. And even the mirrors that weren't made out of obsidian, they would make mosaic mirrors and they would make them out of pyrite. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the reflective quality was really good. However, pyrite degrades very quickly, especially mm. over, you know, like it, it breaks down pretty fast. Right. So these mirrors were not able to be found intact versus obsidian. Obviously, archaeologists have been able to find those. Right. Mm -hmm. Huh. So we kind of want to transition into talking about like, how can something become a portal? And the first thing I want to talk about is locations. So if a cataclysmic event happens on your property, usually quite a deal of energy was expended during that event. As that energy is released, it can get translated to the geology plants and animals in your neighborhood. They all encode that information as they receive feedback about their environment. And over time, these creatures' interpretation of the event can magnify, along with yours, and create a self-generating energy center. So how cataclysmic does this have to be then? Probably like a house blowing up, Courtney. Then, all right, just checking. Hmm. As long as the area goes undisturbed, this energy center has time to strengthen and grow. More stories are told about the area. The more a certain idea is reinforced in that spot, and the more the energy grows. So it's like that egregore effect. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, some people say, oh, there's a, a certain like demon that is supposed to haunt this property. And and then there's so many ghost investigation teams and, yeah. and that's that word for it, right? Yeah. It's like people been, that have been told that story over and over again for years, maybe, and multiple people believe it and come to that place expecting to have an experience with this like demon or something. And even if there wasn't an actual demon there, there might be some kind of energy that was created from everyone believing it and coming there over and over again over that. You know? Our thoughts have power. Mm-hmm. Once a portal has been open, you can block it off, but it's not easy. Just put a rope around it? ID, well, block please. it off energetically, that yeah. is. Yeah. I would just say, don't go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't add fuel to the fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As soon as you say, don't go there, people are lining up. Or if you're going to go there, just like 
Dress cool in case anything happens, then you'll always have cool clothes on. <laughs> make sure you have a full charge on your phone. Yeah, make sure um, you look like a main character. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you have a main character moment, then then um, if you get stuck in the portal when you come out, you can at least be like, at least I look cool. <laughs> I'm going to wear my t-shirt that I want to get that says Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. <laughs> at least I was photo worthy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like... Like, put on all your makeup. I want better hair coming out of that portal. Don't forget your pomade. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to go into a portal. Cut my little like, toiletry like bag with me. Like George Clooney in, right. in uh, what is it? Oh, brother, where are you? Oh, and yes. He, he like gets knocked out and he wakes up and he's like, my hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be me. I'd wake up in the portal and be like, my hair. Oh, Where's my pomade? Am I good? Yeah. I hope they find me and my jeans aren't too ripped up. I hope I look Where's fly. my phone? What's a phone? <laughs> Gotta look fly for the portal. Well, let's talk about people becoming portals because that can happen too. That's fucked up. So people who are portals are also known as energy generators. If you had a soul sudden transformative event, your spirit is broken free from prior perceptions and limitations. When this happens, a portal can be created within you, connecting you directly to spirit. At least you're not a soul sucker this time. (laughs) You're not that energy vampire. If you say there's an energy that like follows people around, Mm -hmm. right? You can say or follows yourself around or someone you know, and things always happen when they're around. Is that is that what you're talking about? Sort of. Yeah. Here's some examples of self portal creating events. It can include the birth of a child, the transition of a loved one, meaning the death, Mm. a major breakup or divorce, Mm -hmm. a career shift or a move, a major change in your physical health. Or a spiritual awakening event. Wow. Huh. I just went through a breakup portal. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> no, but I, I really do understand. It's like after you go yeah. through such an emotional thing, it's like you're, you've are you died and then you're reborn and then you just kind of accept it over time. But that's become your new reality and it's completely different than the one that you were in. So I kind of relate to that. Well, and that's true because whenever this any of these events happen, mm-hmm. a large amount of transformational energy flows through you. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, your energy body is then open for other energies to flow through. I told you I had an open sign. <laughs> So it makes it easier for you to become a conduit of any energy around. So like for me, you know, one of my self portal creating events was my mother dying and then my divorce. And between those two, granted, there was like 14 years in between that. It basically like one started my opening of a portal and then the next one like solidified it Mm -hmm. and that's when my mediumship really started taking off and i heard recently um the portal is kind of like a small hole that you have to fit through to get into this new reality and Mm -hmm. and you have to leave some things behind to be able to fit through that portal you know yeah i mean it's often when you step into and acknowledge your body's portal it's often called stepping into the power or stepping into the light and it'll release toxic things in the meantime that can't go through the portal with you into the new reality and because you're on that uh wavelength and that vibrational frequency or whatever you call it you Mm -hmm. know and so only things that are matching you can go through with you yep and then when you go through you attract those things to you too when Mm -hmm. you're in the new reality so you find that you'll have new friends and you'll have new experiences new environments new opportunities because Maybe you're, you know, being put on more of a right path for you and the toxic things are being shedded out and being replaced with positive things. And that can be how a portal is, too, in a way. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Preach on it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when human beings are functioning as portals, 
um, we have another name for them. They're often called channels. They can be either open channels or direct channels. And the difference between the two is an open channels are, they're typically born and experience and can manifest the supernatural. So they're born as a channel right off the bat. Direct channels are those that have developed their gift through a starting point of one of the clairs and may be allowed to channel through to the other dimension at will. Most people can be a direct channel, but there are some people who are born as open channels. And some of us born as open channels will try to turn that down <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's it's too much and it eventually comes back oftentimes um, outside of our control. I can imagine it's just mainly confusing. You're just kind of it's frightening. You don't even know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? It's just confusing. Like, what am I feeling? What's happening around me? Why is this? Why is the why is the environment changed? Like flipped completely on its head than how it was, you know? Over and you just but yeah. you're highly like you can recognize all the changes. I feel like is that you can tap into that. What's hard is when you are a open like an open channel or portal from birth. What happens? A lot of people don't understand that and your experiences are diminished as in people put them down like, oh, that's it's okay. That can't be real. So a lot of people born open channels oftentimes have issues with self-esteem and even um, trusting themselves. You just have an active imagination. Oversensitive. That's what I used to get called all the time. You're oversensitive and have an overactive imagination. Maybe if you're really creative too. It all goes hand in hand. It does. Because yeah. you get creative ideas from influenced from that. Yeah. And a lot of artists, visual artists too, can kind of create portals within their paintings. Sometimes I look at paintings and I, I feel like I've been there and maybe it's because they're painting a place that they felt they've been and but that isn't really here, but that they've felt because that was a portal or something. And yeah. when I look at their visual art on the wall whatever it is. Sometimes I really identify with it, but I, the environment hits me differently and it feels like I'm in a portal in and of itself looking at that. Or songs do that too sometimes. It can like transport you into the world that the artist has experienced because yeah. they created it from what they've experienced. So I'm going to touch on a little bit of a nerve here, especially for me, because I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'm going to bring it up. There is the idea of something known as a demonic portal. According to many demonologists and clergymen, humans can create portals for evil to enter our world, and perhaps later even our minds and bodies. One theory holds that demonic entities exist on a different dimensional plane, and we may intentionally or unintentionally invite them into our dimension in a number of ways. Are you ready for the ways? Because I think we're going to be checking some of these off for some of us. Okay, maybe not the first one. Engaging in demonic rituals. Playing such games as Ouija board, conducting seances. Okay, that's a check for me. Ghost hunting. Check. Mm -hmm. Making deals with the devil. Well, who's the devil? Courtney, check. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, never mind. (laughs) All possible ways of opening a door to demonic spirits. According to this theory, any means of communicating with spirits, even with those of deceased loved ones, can be dangerous. Eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Murder yeah. and suicide in a location, according to these guys, is a near guarantee of creating and energizing a demonic portal as those energies are attracted to the power of that negative event. Okay, what do you guys think on this one? I mean, wow. Now, where I do agree is this next part. Another way people may open a portal for negative entities, I'm going to say it that way, is through strong negative energy. 
persisting emotions of anger, grief, or depression, fear, and disappointment may draw them in. That I believe to be true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Drugs and alcohol can cause a person to open evil forces, especially when someone uses methamphetamines, they say. Meth is bad. Meth is you up. (laughs) (laughs) Even family conflict, depraved, or perverse behaviors may attract them. Fuck. Check. (laughs) Well, there goes that rabbit hole. So what about like mushrooms or like psychoactive drugs i mean are you taking them daily no but i'm saying like (laughs) that probably i can imagine would aid in opening something or allowing yeah according to them i mean if because it's also like the same thing when you're dreaming you're just your guards down and when you're on drugs your guards down because you're not in full control some people say you can use them in moderation to open different pathways and neuro Mm -hmm. whatever in moderation Mm -hmm. but if you're using them for fun i I don't want to say fun but like a whole a trip Mm -hmm. and you're tripping balls constantly Mm -hmm. i think that would probably be drawing in negative energy if you're constantly in the mind state of um being in a dream world while you're awake kind of thing and and your guards down and and you don't have that grounded control all the time correct Mm -hmm. now if you are microdosing it Mm -hmm. and you are still remaining in control I think that's a different subject. Yeah, because then it allows you to kind of peer into the world a little bit, but also be grounded enough to control it. You know, it's just a lot of times we talk about intention, you know, intention being the source of of what we bring in for energy. So we're going to shift gears just a little bit here. We're going to talk about can portals actually exist and what we have learned from science. Yes, actual science is yes. So typically we've had portals relegated to science fiction. However, in 2012, NASA announced that the University of Iowa physicist Jack Scudder found hard evidence of portals created by the interaction between the Earth and the sun's magnetospheres. The portals they found are extremely volatile and unpredictable, opening and closing in a matter of an instant. How did they catch them then? I don't know. But Scudder found markers called X-points or electron diffusion regions, which allowed NASA probes to locate and study these. Hmm. So what happened as a result of this is NASA launched the Magnetospheric Multiscale Mission, or MMS. There's an M missing there, by the way. That's what I thought earlier when you said that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which mapped how two celestial bodies' magnetic fields connect, disconnect, and explosively transfer energy subsequently opening portals. For now, only electrons have been observed to travel through these portals, generating auras and the occasional magnetic storm near Earth's poles. Go figure. Mm -hmm. But this discovery could be key to uncovering the function of some of the legendary portals on Earth that are said to act as gateways to other dimensions. Now, the science is about to get trippy and loop back to our talk on the mandela effect are you ready for this yes i love talking about the mandela effect according to the randall sundrum model which was developed by lisa randall and raman sundrum we might live in a space that contains a warped and gravitational heavy fifth dimension they call this the gravity brain not brain like a b-r-a-i-n B-R-A-N-E, brain. This theory supposedly explains why gravity is the weakest of all of our fundamental forces. 
while also allowing for the possibility that we exist on one of these brains, unable to see reality on the surface of other brains. So it's kind of like dimensions, actually, when I when I think about it. Are you looking it up for me? Yeah, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> Unless there was some kind of portal for us to be able to see these other brains. Could it be possible that a confluence of electromagnetic events occasionally opens up a portal into one of those other dimensions or onto the surface of another brain? Of course. What is it? An extended object with any given number of dimensions of which strings in string theory are examples with one dimension. Oh, so we go back to string theory again. Our universe is a three brain. So they're they're saying, you know, could this possibly explain some of the paranormal phenomena that we have? Like there's this crossing over between these. Lisa Randall, hang on people, plans to test her theory through the use of, are you ready? The Large Hadron Collider at CERN. Go figure. She's saying though, but whether it will allow us to have any insight into the possibility of interdimensional travel by way of a portal is still up in the air. But I thought CERN wasn't using that to make portals. Uh, Yeah, well, I guess they are. (laughs) (laughs) I guess for now, we'll just have to continue to study the areas our ancestors marked and unlock the codes they left behind. Interesting. So let's talk about some of those areas. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. Mm -hmm. The fact that somebody finally fessed up that CERN wants to be used for uh, portals. It's great. So other than CERN opening portals, let's talk about some that already exist around the planet. We're going to start our journey in Peru at the Gate of the Gods. It was in 1996 when Jose Luis Delgado Mamani discovered while he was trying to learn the layout of the area for a job he had recently taken as a tour guide, the Gate of the Gods. It is located in Hayu Marca in Peru. It is said by native tribes to have once acted as a gateway to the land of the gods. Jose even claims that he had dreams of the doorway for years before he accidentally found it. So is Jose a portal? Maybe. In his dreams, he stated that the pathway leading to the doorway was made of pink marble, and he had also witnessed a smaller door that was open with a brilliant blue light coming from what looked like a shimmering tunnel. The doorway is actually two doorways, almost in a T-shape. The larger doorway measures 22 by 22 feet. See, Jose might have been hitting those shrooms. (laughs) While the smaller one stands two meters high, which is six and a half feet in the middle of the larger one. Legends state that the larger door is for the gods themselves, and the smaller door is for mortals to pass through. Oh, wow. (laughs) And some heroic mortals did, becoming immortal themselves to live among the gods. One legend of a mortal passing through the doorway appears to lend a little credibility to Jose's alleged dream. The story says that when Spanish explorers arrived in Peru in the 16th century, looting Inca riches as they went, an Incan priest named Amaru Maru fled his temple with a valuable golden disc, the key of the gods of the seven rays. Amaru Maru found the doorway and saw it was guarded by shaman priests. He presented to them the golden disc, and following a ritual performed by the priests, the smaller doorway opened. Behind it was a tunnel that shone with great blue light. Amaru Maru 
passed into the doorway, left the disc with the shaman priests, and vanished from Earth to the land of the gods. Interestingly, investigators did discover a small round indentation in the rock on the right-hand column of the smaller doorway. The examinations led them to believe that should a disc-shaped object be inserted into the indentation, it would be held in place by the surrounding rock. So they did not find the little medallion. And they did not find a little hole that he fell through. Well, if you look at the picture, mm-hmm. which we might have to put on our paranormal coffee over page as I talk about this, this is the larger door and that's the smaller door. Right. As far as I understand. Interesting. And so, to the side of the smaller door is this indentation where that little disc that he had given to them mm-hmm. could be inserted almost like a, a key. Kind of like Indiana Jones kind of thing, you know, yeah. put it in there like a key and press and then it opens you up to a whole new world. So now we're going to head over to Egypt to a place called Abu Ghurab. And it is here where we have the Abu Sir pyramids. Abu Ghurab has claimed to be one of the oldest sites on the planet. Here lies an ancient platform made out of alabaster and is said to be in tune with the vibration of Earth. It can also open the senses in order for a person to communicate and be one with higher sacred energies of the universe. Essentially, it's a stargate and the sacred energies where the gods are. Interestingly enough, legends of their communication and way of travel between their world and ours almost mirrors the legends of the Cherokee Native Americans, who tell of how thought beings who are formless would travel on a wave of sound from their home and the Pleiades star system to Earth. As the legends of Abu Ghurab being a stargate, there are also signs of what some would perceive to be advanced technology having been used to actually create this site. I mean, when you look at these pictures, that's like laser precision. Uh Yes. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One example is the perfectly precise circular markings that have been drilled into the alabaster. So this next one's my favorite because we've talked about this before. Yes. Lake Michigan. Ancient stone arrangement, a.k.a. the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. Awesome. What's fascinating about this one is it wasn't discovered until 2007. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. So what happened is in, in 2007, <gasps> while searching for the remains of shipwrecks, scientists discovered a stone structure 40 feet below the surface of Lake Michigan. It's thought to be over 9,000 years old. Old. Wow. The discovery was made by a professor of underwater archaeology at Northwestern Michigan University, Mark Holly, and his colleague Brian Abbott. One thing of particular interest was a carving they found on one of the stones of a mastodon, which is believed to have been extinct 10,000 years ago. Mm. So this kind of gives indication of how old this structure's age is. Mm-hmm. Now, they have kept the location of this site secret, at least for now. We have kind of a general idea of where it would be because it fits within the Great Lakes Triangle, which we think this is somewhere off the coast of Michigan, probably closer to Muskegon. Now, this part of the agreement with the local Native American tribes who want to keep the amount of visitors to a minimum of this structure. A lot of mainstream scientists, though, are skeptical about the age of the site and if it even has any relevance, which is crazy to think. Why are they skeptical? Well, many believe that it is the remains of a stargate or wormhole. Oh, wow. And the site has also claimed several bizarre disappearances and gained the title of the Michigan Triangle. Well, that's because it's in the Michigan Triangle. Mm-hmm. And we know if you've listened at all to the very first podcast we put out on the Great Lakes Triangle, lots of ships have vanished over this area. 
People have gone missing. Even Captain Donner, not of the Donner Party. <laughs> nope, not of the Donner <laughs> he didn't Party. Get anybody went into his cabin of the O.M. McFarland and locked the door and was never seen again. Which mm. is always amazing that he locked the door from the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it remained locked. And it remained locked. And he just disappeared. He vanished. They had to break the door down. Nope. No way. And yeah. he's never been found since. Wow. I feel like stuff like that happens and like a lot and we just don't hear the stories or know about it. And Yeah. I mean, they've had whole ships like the Thomas Hume, uh, which was a schooner from 1891, just vanished. It's just so unexplainable. Mm-hmm. They also have 11 people who are aboard the ship, the Rosa Bell, but that disappeared without a trace. <laughs> that was our first podcast. That was how long ago. We got to go back to that oh. one. But no, the 11 people disappeared, but they found the boat. Our next location is a very well-known location around the world. World, Stonehenge in Wiltshire, England. Now, Stonehenge for me is a sacred place because Druids believe, and I'm a Druid, we believe that this was something that was constructed by ancient Druids for ceremonial reasons. But here's the thing about Stonehenge. Mainstream historians claim that the famous arrangement was built around 5,000 years ago. Partially, they believe that from the blue stones that were quarried from a site about 240 miles away. To some, though, this seems absurd, mostly because how did they place them? Geologist Brian John states that there have been no evidence for this claim and no evidence that the alleged quarry even existed. It is said that when the first settlements were built in the area 5,000 years ago, Stonehenge was already there and fully built. Yes. The ancient site is said to sit where 14 ley lines converge and some feel along with the other similar ancient sites that this essentially makes it an energy portal or a stargate. Courtney, tell us again, what's a ley line? Ley lines are pretty much energy lines everywhere. They're in Scotland. You'll find them in the Great Lakes Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle. I think we've talked about ley lines before, too, in podcasts. We've mentioned them. Probably with a cave system. Yes. I think that was. I believe they were mentioned in those. National parks have ley lines. Mm -hmm. They are fascinating. You can find them by dousing rods. In fact, people, that's how they find them. We heard that one had doused over 3,000 ley lines just in her area of Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, she mapped them or something like that. Really? Yes. They're fascinating. Is it because of the material of the. Their energy. So the dousing rods pick up the energy of Mm -hmm. them. No one knows exactly what they do or what they're for. Because the dousing rods are made of. Copper, Copper, usually. Which is, that would make sense. Yeah. But usually when you have the ley lines, you will find monuments like Stonehenge, um, the pyramids of Giza. You will find fascinating churches of England, like all the main big churches. Are right along the ley lines. Mm. Yeah. It's all the major attractions that have no rhyme or reason to them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And some of the major sites, Giza, all the way to the pyramids in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yes. They like run between each other. Like if you just keep following the ley line. Wow. So there's a little bit more here on Stonehenge that I found this kind of funny. Supporting this idea that it could be an energy portal stargate, back in August of 1971, a group of hippies apparently disappeared at Stonehenge while trying to tap into the vibrations of the site. It was around two o'clock in the morning without any warning. Lightning bolts suddenly struck and a severe storm was unleashed onto the area. According to the story, a policeman who happened to be on duty and in the area recalls seeing a blue light coming from the stones. A local farmer also stated he saw this. Screams could be heard from the area. But by the time the policeman had made his way to the site, all that remained was the odd tent peg from the revelers' tents and the damp remains of a campfire. Wow. 
They should make a movie about that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a scary movie. What is the difference between like a Stargate and a portal? So a Stargate, from what I understand, is a portal into basically another universe. So you could travel between planets or planetary systems. And so it's like quite literally like a gate to the stars mm-hmm. is what they mean. Yeah. Hmm. Versus a portal can be dimensional. Usually mm-hmm. it, you're traveling between dimensions and time or in space. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite examples is Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They have a portal and and it's still Hawkins, but it's a different version of Hawkins. Mm -hmm. So if you've watched Stranger Things, you'll understand what I'm talking about. The upside down. (laughs) Yes, the upside down. So our next location is at the Euphrates River. It's known as the ancient Sumerian Stargate. So we're at a Stargate again. This basically has a famous Sumerian seal, not a not like a seal, you know, like a aquatic or, seal or, or, is what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the seal shows a Sumerian god appearing from a portal of his world into ours. Now, the picture that I have in front of those of us who are doing this podcast is there's another Sumerian artifact that claims to show evidence of stargates. In this one, the god Nunutra not only appears to be wearing a modern day wristwatch, but is also using his finger to press what appears to be a button on the wall of the gateway he is standing in. He's giving away all the secrets. Mm. Mm-hmm. He really is wearing a watch. Yeah. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Told you to wear the right clothes when you went through the portal. <laughs> yeah, Stop exactly. giving it away. <laughs> he had the right idea. So, yeah, there's a belief that because of these things, um, one of the main conclusions is that there's an, a Stargate in the Euphrates River, and it has been buried and lost under the ruins of the Mesopotamian city of Eridu for thousands of years. Now we head back down to South America and to Tiahuanaco which is the gate of the sun area. Believed by some to be a portal to the land of the gods, the gate of the sun in Bolivia shares much of its legend with other similar sites in the Andes. Tiahuanaco City is said to be one of the most important sites of ancient America, with legends stating that the sun god, Virachoca, appeared in Tiahuanaco and made it the place of creation, the place he chose to start the human race. In Bolivia? In Bolivia. Interesting. The block of stone that we're looking at here, the Gate of the Sun, is thought to be 14,000 years old. The gateway displays what appears to be human beings with rectangular helmets. (laughs) This has led many researchers to state the purpose of the gate is indeed connected to something astronomical. Although, this is hotly debated. Go figure. So this is older than Stonehenge, according Mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. The top middle of the arch features a carving of the supposed sun god and shows what looks to be rays of light appearing behind and forcing their way around all sides of the deity's head. Although it now stands upright when it was found by European explorers back in the mid-1800s, it was said to have been lying horizontally, probably because it fell over. And it has a large crack to the top right of the arch. No one knows how this happened. Uh, gravity? So we are in Sri Lanka at the Ranmasu Yuana Stargate. It is carved on a massive piece of stone wall, and it's mostly hidden between the boulders and cave systems of Ranmasa Yuana. It is what is believed to be a star map or a star chart. The symbols carved on the rock are said to be a code that opens the stargate and allows the opener to travel from this world to the other areas of the universe. Directly opposite the star map are four stone seats or chairs. So you can only take three friends with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The name of the star chart is called Sakwala Chakraya, which is believed to mean the rotating circle of the universe. They don't even know? I guess not. You're not 100% <laughs> sure. 
I mean, they are interpreting this from a from an old language. I mean, I get that. So mm-hmm. they're just like, hey, this sounds good. Is it like directions or a map or what is it? Yeah, kind of. In many ancient Native American legends, stargates or portals were represented by rotating circles. Similar star maps have been found in other ancient sites to be stargates. And so what you basically have here is a map, a star map or a star chart, I guess, on how to get to a certain location. Wow. I wonder who had that knowledge, you know, during that time. Not everybody would have. So I wonder who knew. Right. And did he bring his three friends with him? (laughs) (laughs) Sit down. You're in for a ride, bitches. (laughs) This is my favorite one, though. Abydos, Egypt. Look at that relief. What do you see? Doesn't that look like a helicopter right Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. That looks like a helicopter. And that looks like another way of transportation. This is so strange. Because these look... Like ships. Like ships. But <laughs> like, like futuristic. Like, mm-hmm. And then that that's human. Uh, mm-hmm. made, like man-made. And that's is the helicopter. But then the other ones look more futuristic. Like I know. Like we don't even know what they are yet. Uh-huh. Maybe when we have flying cars. So this was found at the Temple of Seti I. And it appears to show hieroglyphs of modern flying machines, such as a helicopter. This is located in one of the oldest cities of ancient Egypt. That just blows my mind Mm -hmm. to see that. It's a, that's a helicopter right there. Wait till I tell you how this was discovered. Yeah. You ready? It's bizarre. So they discovered the site thanks to a lady named Dorothy Eady, who claimed to be the reincarnation of a Egyptian peasant girl and who was the secret lover of Pharaoh Seti. She had become pregnant with his child, but before he could learn of the pregnancy, the peasant girl took her own life. In the 20th century, Dorothy was able to transcribe ancient Egyptian texts and even knew where the archaeologists should dig to excavate the remains of the ancient city. She seemingly knew where everything was, such as where secret chambers were and the location of gardens that had long since been buried. By the time they discovered precisely where she said they would be, people very much believed Dorothy was genuine. Strangely also, people witnessed Dorothy pressing on certain stones and walls as if she was expecting something to happen. It was as if she was trying to open a secret door or gateway. In fact, she had already spoken about these hidden doors that used to be there. In 2003, Michael Schratt, a military aerospace engineer, stated that Abydos did sit on a naturally occurring stargate. Interesting. Military aerospace engineer saying this. Even more controversial, though, he said that the U.S. government was very much aware of this and had actually utilized it. Utilized it for what, I wonder? So there's a question of what was she looking for? Was it an opening? To a wormhole or a portal? We don't know. That's incredible. Has that government then been to other places? The Egyptian government? Yes. Not that they've said. So we're at Gobekli Tepe, Turkey now. That's a fun name to say. It is regarded as the oldest stone temple in the world, and it features several rings of huge T-shaped stone pillars, each engraved with a carving of an animal such as a lion or sheep. Two of the pillars sit in the middle of these circles, almost creating an archway of sorts. The archway within these circles are said to be the remains of portals or stargates, which the ancient people who resided here used as a portal to the sky world. These tea columns, very similar to the Gate of the Gods in Peru. So, yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, the Inca people spoke of a connection to the people of the Pleiades star system, which is also T-shaped. Pleiades is. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Golbeki Tepe is situated where two 
ley lines meet. Although the site was recorded as far back as the 1960s, it wasn't until the mid-1990s when the T-shaped pillars were discovered. As for its true age, they estimate it to be around 12,000 years old. So that is also older than Stonehenge, supposedly. Yes. We're in Sedona now. I want to go there. I do too. So we're talking the Sedona Vortexes and the Doorway of the Gods. So Sedona is a small town in Arizona. It was once known by the Native American tribes as Nawanda, and at one time a most sacred city to all of them. It is said the red rocks of the deserts that surround the small town can create vortexes with the capacity of transporting people to another realm or dimension. Native Americans believe these rocks were spiritually charged, while sounds emanating from the rocks have been reported. In the mountains of Arizona claims to be the doorway of the gods, which is a strange stone arch portal to another time and space. In the 1950s, I like this story, a local tribesman was aiding treasure hunters who were searching for gold in the mountains. He told them the story of his people dating back to the 1800s. Of the three tribesmen who had discovered the archway while riding in the desert, the story goes that when one of them walked through, he simply disappeared. And the other two, believing they had encroached on sacred land, fled the scene. The helpful tribesman stated he had also seen a strange incident at the alleged doorway. This reminds me of your experience in uh, Redwoods. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. While out in the desert, a sudden rainstorm hit the area and turned the skies gray with clouds. As he turned to leave, he caught a glimpse of the archway and saw that the skies through the arch were clear blue. He walked closer to it, seeing that the archway's image of the mountain range was the same, and the only difference was the sky. However, he too became scared, mounted his horse, and returned home. <laughs> <laughs> so he never went through it. It's like an overpowering fear. Yeah. Where like you just... You know you shouldn't be there, especially by yourself. And if you're open-minded at all, it's like it knows or something. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You just have to get out. Don't take anything. <laughs> it's kind of like when we talked about Mount Pele yeah, right. in Hawaii. All the people who oh, take yeah. stuff and then they have it like, send it back. Mm-hmm. Tells you, don't take anything. And people send stuff back, right? Yeah. Yes. Because every day they get thousands of items coming back. Yeah. Because they just can't handle having them. Yes. Yeah. Wow. With notes. Yeah. I wonder who gets to read and process all that stuff. Yeah, literally. Right? <laughs> I wonder like, if they even read the notes anymore. They're like, Ugh. we know. Yeah. <laughs> I want that job. I wonder how much it Dumb pays. Dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going over to Utah to Arches National Park. Now, there was a study done on the significance of Arches National Park in Utah to the native tribes. This study was known as the Cooperative Ecosystem Studies. And it was done by the Bureau of Applied Research in Anthropology. So what happened is the Bureau of Applied Research in Anthropology invited participants from five tribal groups traditionally associated with the Moab area to come to Arches. The tribes informed the team on the meanings and importance of resources, such as plants, animals, and geologic and archaeological features, as well as the park's overall landscape. Each tribe all agreed that Arches is a very powerful place. So what they told this group is the standing spires in Arches National Park are considered sentient beings who continue to provide help and resources to the native people. Tribes described different connections to the parks, but all agreed that Arches is a powerful place because the Arches themselves are portals in space and time that play an important role in ongoing tribal religious practices. Tribal members also describe the LaSalle Mountains as a dwelling place for spirits and sacred beings. So I find that quite interesting that we Mm -hmm. have, you know, national parks with 
<clears throat> Portals. Yeah. Go figure. Surprise, surprise. So yeah. now we're going to head to Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Mm-hmm. One of our favorites. Oh, yeah. I love it. I do, too. So what's going on there, guys? What do you know? <laughs> Has anyone seen season three? Because, oh, my gosh, buckle up if you haven't. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. They mm-hmm. found out that there are portals. I think they're vortexes. They are the secrets of Skinwalker Ranch is what you're talking about. The show. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's they, it on Discovery? Discovery, Discovery yeah. Plus, and they have like the petroglyphs. They um, actually think that they have been there for years. Yeah, centuries. Centuries. Mm-hmm. They also are finding caves. Go figure. Connected out there and portals above in the sky yes there's mind bending literally <laughs> well they're light bending they were laser bending stuff in those yep right they noticed their lasers were bending they noticed their instrumentation on their aircraft was being weird they were dropping things out of the helicopter and it should have dropped there but it wasn't even in that area and then they're mm-hmm. seeing uaps which i love that term now instead of ufos yeah the um unidentified aerial phenomenon is basically traveling f- through the sky and like poop like disappearing like a bug yep and didn't they have something on the radar too that was like below where they were flying yes like right below yes that and there was, was the nothing there part. yeah yeah there was nothing there and then people the people that have had experiences there have had ufo uap experiences and of seeing like the one guy was standing and he saw in the distance this like cylindrical object coming mm-hmm. towards him and then it just it started like coming at him full yeah. speed and then he had to like run away right <laughs> or yes. something he had like chased him or something yeah. out of the area and he was right by where those uh, the writing on the oh the petroglyphs oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. not only do we have uap experiences in this area but we also have like cryptid experiences yeah. here skinwalker there's cryptid experiences there's animal yeah. mutilation yeah lots and lots of them yeah like it, it's a given that it'll just continue happening basically in that area. It's a given that all this paranormal activity in that area will continue yep. happening. That's why people are so intrigued by it. And it's, it's not just, just this ranch. It's right. the whole area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole area that it is. Blind Frog Ranch next door. Blind Frog Ranch next mm-hmm. door. And literally the whole area. They have other ranchers coming on season three saying, hey, this just happened in my area. I'm the neighbor next door, or this just happened in the city. They had Mm -hmm. one of the um, local sheriffs pop up saying they followed a UAP, and it just disappeared over the ridge. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating if you haven't seen it. And then the guy got a really terrible headache and had to go to the hospital. Yes. Well, and one of the things that they brought up that I haven't heard of before in terms of portals is the notion of infrasound. Yes. Mm-hmm. The use of low level sound waves to potentially open portals. And um, they were able to bring over a Native American gentleman who was looking at the petroglyphs and basically saying, yeah, there's a belief in our tribe that infrasound is used to open and close portals. Yeah. Makes sense in the grand scheme of things. And they do keep catching that, what, 1.6 gigahertz yes. sound. And every time they catch it, the cows go crazy and then they catch something. Yeah. Mm. So what else could portals be responsible for is kind of where we're at now. And Courtney and I have talked a lot about different sorts of paranormal activity, but I mean, Bigfoot definitely could be one of them. Oh, yes. We've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We tend to find in like the geological formations 
portals tend to be attracted to places where there's water movement. So like waterfalls, caves um, are a popular location, canyons, yes. mountains, volcanoes, volcanoes, mm-hmm. like forests. Yeah. Right. Forests. Like, um, the one um, in California, right, that we were talking about. Oh, the one outside of Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta. So Mount Shasta, we've talked about Mount Shasta when we did the Giants podcast, um, being that there's beings there that live in the mountain, but it also has a forest around it too. Mount Shasta is just very popular in the paranormal world for UFOs, giants, uh, beings beings living under it, just... Mount Shasta is the place to be. Pretty much everything for the paranormal community. So many people go there to have an experience there because they're so certain it's going to happen and they feel drawn to it. And so many people go missing. It's just not even funny. Supposedly when Atlantis fell and the Lemurian War, that is where they fled to was Mount Shasta. And that is where they then lived was under Mount Shasta. It was like a safe harbor. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, not only do we have portals being responsible for things coming out, but it's also information coming in. Because you look at humans being portals themselves, those of us who do mediumship, psychic abilities, energy healing, we are essentially creating portals within our homes, if we're, you know, or wherever we're working, and we become a portal. I was gonna say, technically, you are the portal. Mm -hmm. Right. But I can also make the space the portal. Right. Which might be why we get some crazy things on this podcast. No kidding. Mm-hmm. A portal in a portal. Yeah. And I was thinking uh, before, like I said in the live, that uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from Dumbledore, <laughs> from Harry Potter. Yes. No, but really it's J.K. Rowling probably. But uh, anyways, it's the one where Harry dies and he's in Harry Potter heaven. <laughs> anyways, he's like, sir, is this all in my head? Like, is or is this real? And then he's like, well, of course it's all in your head, Harry, but why should that mean it's not real? And that's how I think about everything. It just made me think, wow. And I'm a musician working with sound waves and you can't see those. You can feel them, you know, yeah. and they're real and because it's emotional and you can feel it. And it's the same thing with all this stuff, you know, fully believe that it's a 3D tactile experience. Maybe that's true, but maybe it's inside like an internal feeling that you feel. It doesn't mean it's any less real than what you physically feel. Like if you're depressed, it's really real for you. Yes. If you're really happy, it's really real for you. It's your whole reality. So that's another thing. If we create our own reality, Mm -hmm. then everything that we envision has the potential to be real. Way to manifest it. Mm -hmm. But then there's this question is who can access portals? Well, we've talked about negative portals, which are pretty much accessible to just about anybody if you're at the low enough frequency correct? Mm -hmm. But what about the higher vibrational portals? Well, according to Kaya Wittenberg, who is a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner, this person believes that guardians are at each of the portals around our planet. They prevent human beings from passing through. You need to be at a specific frequency to be able to travel interdimensionally. And if you were to be wandering around and you accidentally walk into a portal, but are not of the right frequency, well, you have guardians to keep you from disappearing into it. Love and light, bitches. <laughs> so basically, you have to match the frequency, which makes complete sense to me, because in order to do mediumship, mm-hmm. I have to match that frequency. And if I don't, <laughs> it's crickets. <laughs> yeah. Hello, it's anybody like out to, there? Yeah, you have to like surrender to the energy that it is yeah. and see through the eyes of that energy. 
And I guess we're going to leave you here with this. Is our portals real? According to NASA, they are. But the question becomes, are they real enough in the extent that they allow us to travel interdimensionally? Are you going to fall into one? Mm-hmm. And, you know, are there negative portals? Are there positive portals? And have you had experiences of the such? All right. Well, it's a good time to put down your cup of coffee and ask yourself, do I believe in portals? Am I going to trip and fall into one? Ah, shit. Do I need a rope tied around my waist? Don't forget to dress nice. Dress nicely, according mm-hmm. to Jackson. You never know when be you're going to be. You might be the main character at some point. Bring a protein bar. <laughs> you might need them. A couple. Make sure your phone's completely charged. Bring some toilet paper. <laughs> Whatever you need. I'm just saying, you never know what you're going to need. <laughs> True you're in a portal. Valid. Well, on that note, keep it weird. Keep it wonderful. And keep it woohoo. <laughs>